crossroads of empires, battleground of the ages, city of peace and of war. This is Jerusalem, where archaeology uncovers the empires of yesterday, where prophecy decodes the headlines of today. This is where history and prophecy come alive. This is Watch Jerusalem. Hello and welcome back to Watch Jerusalem. I'm your host, Brent Noctegal. If you've been watching your news, you would have seen what's been going on in Jerusalem. You've probably received a biased account of what's going on in Jerusalem regarding the riots that are taking place on the Temple Mount and the area towards the north of Jerusalem's old city. On today's program, I want to discuss this and discuss the larger context behind it and also what the United States is actually doing to foment the unrest we are seeing right now. Now, we have an article I wrote last night uh, up on Watch Jerusalem. It's entitled Watch Jerusalem Now. It's very important to watch Jerusalem. It's the name of our website, of course. And the reason that we watch Jerusalem, uh, there's two reasons. One is for the archaeological discoveries that breathe life into the Bible and also really confirm the history and prophecy of the Bible. And secondly, to bring you prophetically significant news. This is uh, an, a, an account of what the Bible said anciently, what the Bible foretells for our time today, and the fact that we are seeing in the news events of today the fulfillment of those prophecies. And these are important, not just because it, it proves the Bible is accurate or, or even that God's hand is involved with human affairs as well. It actually shows, especially related to Jerusalem, how close we are to the coming of the Messiah. And what is going on in Jerusalem right now is extremely pertinent for a prophecy found in the book of Zechariah. In Zechariah, it talks about a series of events that are to take place directly preceding the coming of the Messiah, when his feet are going to stand upon the Mount of Olives just across from the Temple Mount where all these riots are taking place. And the Bible intends us and God intends us to understand what are the steps leading to that earth-shaking event. And one of those has to do with East Jerusalem. One of them has to do with the taking of East Jerusalem by the Arabs. Now, this might seem, especially if you live in Israel, like some far-fetched thing that could never happen, given Israel's far superior strength, given Israel's military and the police. Um, however, what we are seeing right now are the conditions for the fulfillment of this prophecy be set up. And particularly, it relates to the overwhelming international support for the Arabs now in their claim to East Jerusalem. And leading the way in this is the, the Biden administration. We like to call it the Joe Obama administration, Obama's third term. All of these phrases are correct. In seeing what's going on right now, yes, you have riots. Yes, you have the calls for uh, Al-Aqsa to be liberated. Yes, you have calls for the, the typical uh, Arab calls for violence on Jews, blow up uh, Tel Aviv, bomb Tel Aviv, as they were chanting last night. That all can kind of make it seem like what is happening right now in Jerusalem is normal, is usual, or at least something that we've seen before. But what we're seeing right, happen right now, we have not seen before. And particularly, it is in relation to the United States' response, not just to the violence, but where they are putting their weight of support. Are they for Israel or are they for the Palestinians, in particular, or particularly relating to Israel's control of East Jerusalem? 
Now, the State Department released a, a, a statement uh, a couple of days ago about what was happening in Jerusalem. Of course, this is a situation that was building. Yet in that statement, they chose to zero in and focus on something taking place to the north of Jerusalem in this uh, little hamlet, I suppose, or a little village of Jerusalem, a suburb of Jerusalem called Sheikh Jarrah. And this is about a kilometer or so just north of the Damascus Gate. And while there is riding again on the Temple Mount, and it is trying to be kind of played off as they're riding because the Jews are trying to limit uh, or, or trying to curtail Muslim freedom to worship at their third holiest site, there is another issue that's going on at the same time that the world, including the United States, is rising up and to support the Palestinians, and that's taking place in Sheikh Jarrah, particularly this past week. There was a court case that was meant to uh, be heard uh, by the Supreme Court in Israel on Thursday that is addressing the claims of four Arab families that are currently residing in Jewish houses that have refused to pay rent for a number of years that face eviction. This has gone through uh, the courts, lower court, district court, and so on, and it arrived at the Supreme Court. And what's interesting about this is that Hamas, the EU the UN, uh, Fatah, the Arab states, of course, Iran, have all come and said, you know, Israel's got to stop these attempts to Judaize East Jerusalem, to put Jewish people in where Arabs are meant to be. That is their state. Now, what's surprising is that the United States has joined the chorale of voices against Israel or Jews living in land that they own or, or evicting people that are refusing to pay uh, for rent in these properties. Apparently, the United States has a position on this, and it's firmly in support of the Palestinians. Now, to set this up, I do want to just show you a video. This is a video that was, um, it's quite its quite small, it's just a minute and a half or two, and it's by a Jerusalem Post commentator, and she just, uh, her name is Emily Schrader, columnist for the Jerusalem Post. She's certainly not a conservative, uh, as I think we would term it. Um, however, she gives a good rundown as the true account of what's going on with these properties. And it's not an account you're going to read uh, elsewhere or I would say outside uh, in the international media of the situation in Sheikh Jarrah. Just, just so you know, the, the situation in Sheikh Jarrah revolving around these properties is more important, actually, uh, and is more significant, and the change that's taking place with the United States position is more significant, more significant than the violence taking place on the Temple Mount, because it is a show of support from the United States for a Palestinian takeover of East Jerusalem, something that is prophesied to happen. It is. But first, let's watch this video by Emily Schrader. What's really happening at Sheikh Jarrah? In 1875, a Jewish rabbi purchased this empty property in Sheikh Jarrah and has maintained ownership of it ever since. When the Jordanians illegally occupied Jerusalem in 1948 and ethnically cleansed it of Jews, including destroying synagogues, they built 28 homes for Palestinians who currently live there today. In 1967, the property was annexed to Israel after the Six-Day War. All this while Jews still owned this property. Years later, a Jewish organization purchased the property and appealed to the Israeli courts, who requested both sides, the Palestinians and the Israelis, come to an agreement in which the Palestinians would pay rent as tenants. They tried to fight the case in court, but lost, and are now facing eviction after not paying rent for years. 
Here's what you need to know. This is an ongoing and complicated legal case, and both sides have a legitimate claim. But the Palestinians could remain in their homes if they agreed to pay rent. They refused. Why? Propaganda. They are using this case to make a production, to incite violence against Israel, even though the facts of the case prove something else entirely. If the same situation occurred anywhere else, the reactions wouldn't be the same. Tenants who don't pay rent get evicted, and nobody uses it as an excuse to launch terror attacks. The U.S. members of Congress who are condemning Israel over this issue are fanning the flames of anti-Semitism at a time when we have a rise in anti-Semitism in the United States and we're dealing with violence against Jews in Israel. To the elected officials commenting, you're being duped. Attacking Israel over Sheikh Jarrah isn't fighting for justice, it's irresponsibility. As an American Israeli, I'm begging you, stop fueling anti-Semitism. So as you can see there, this is pretty much an internal domestic matter for Israel that the United States and others are interfering on. And what I think is very interesting about this case is that it is quite obvious what should happen. If the Supreme Court is going to support Israeli law, they will see that the Jews, uh, these Jewish companies, are the legitimate owners of this property, and then they will evict these Palestinian uh, residents, regardless of how long they've, li they've lived there. Now, back in 1982, and even the New York Times, in their account of this, draws attention to this, uh, and they wrote an article just uh, yesterday about this. They said, in 1982, the Palestinian residents signed an agreement accepting Jewish ownership of the land and allowing them to live there as protected tenants. So that was the deal. 1982, yes. We know the Jews own this. These are the people that are living there right now that claim to own it now. They said, we know the Jews own it. We're the protective tenants, meaning we're allowed to live here, but we have to pay rent. And yet they stopped paying rent. They started illegally constructing on these properties. And so by law, the Jewish agencies that own the properties were allowed to evict them. As you would if somebody stopped paying rent in your house. But apparently you can't do that. Why not? Because they're Arabs and they're in East Jerusalem. And so they are entitled to that land. Now, you could get into the minutiae of the law, whether the law is right or not. But that is the law on the books. And so if the Supreme Court is to uh, go by the law on the books, uh, they will, allow, will go carry out the eviction. However, as I said, there are a lot of international voices now coming out against the eviction of this pro people, the Arabs on this property, the non-paying Arabs in this property. Now, what I want to show you is that what is taking place right now is a is a um, just the next stage of what Barack Obama was attempting to do with the UN resolution during his lame duck uh, period after he lost the election and, and Hillary Clinton wasn't going to get in before President Trump came into office in January 20, uh, 2017. So. What he did, and this was dated December 23rd, 2016, you'll remember this, the infamous vote at the UN Security Council where Samantha Power, as a representative of, the Barack, of Barack Obama, raised her hands to abstain from this vote that called all Jewish control of East Jerusalem, all territories that Israel has occupied since 1967, that Jordan occupied from 1949 onwards, but nobody talks about that, that Israel's occupation or Israel's live, Israelis living there, Jews living there, it's illegal according to international law. So if you're a Jew inside the old city, Jewish quarter, since you didn't have those territories before 1967, 
That is against international law. You are the illegal squatter. And so if you're talking about Sheikh Jarrah now, what would the Obama administration believe based on that UN resolution that they let pass? They would let pass. They would believe that Israel has no jurisdiction to go and tell those people that are living there to get out. You can't do it. That territory belonged, was illegally occupied by Jordan before 1967. Not Israel, and so those people have a right to stay there, even though before then it was, it was Jews were living there. They bought it in the 1800s, this property, and they were ousted by the Jordanians. When the Jordanians did ethnically cleanse East Jerusalem of all the Jews that were living there in the, in the War of Independence and, and even destroying all the synagogues, destroying places of worship, the main reason the Jewish quarter today looks so new and the rest of the quarters of the old city look old is because the Jewish quarter was destroyed by the Jordanians. All the synagogues were destroyed by the Jordanians between 1949 and 1967. That's neither here nor there, uh, I suppose, in relation to this. But what I'm trying to show you is that Barack Obama was pushing forward this agenda to then deem every, every Jew that lives inside East Jerusalem, or at least Israeli law that's applied inside East Jerusalem, that can't happen. And so what the Obama administration now is doing, and forgive me for, or don't forgive me for saying that, that's what I'll just say, Biden or Obama, the same thing. They are pushing forward with this agenda. Now, there was something that actually Obama wanted after this vote in December 23rd, 2016 uh, at the UN Security Council. There was a different vote that Obama wanted to come to the table in the final three and a half weeks, an even more harsh vote against the state of Israel that he was pushing to come forward. Now, we learned about this, surprisingly. This was exposed in the infamous phone call between the Ukrainian ambassador, uh, Sergei Kislyak, and Michael Flynn during this intervening period. You remember the transition period, the perfect phone call that was uh, where the transcript was released by the Trump administration to show that Flynn was innocent, that there was no quid pro quo, etc., etc. Now, the, the actual content of this phone call and was was actually about, and, and another phone call, was actually about the UN resolutions that the Obama administration were trying to push against Israel. And it turns out that Kislyak told Flynn, we're going to have to vote um, with this position of the Obama administration. This is our longstanding position. Israel shouldn't be occupying this territory and so on. And so they did. However, there was... Another, as Kislyak brings out, there was another, more extreme version of that UN resolution that Obama won and pushed, even more antagonistic towards the state of Israel. This is uh, what Kislyak says uh, in, this, in this phone call. This is a phone call that's dated December 29th, 2016, three days after the previous UN vote. So we know this is about a new resolution. He says this, Kislyak, from the phone call, we wanted to convey to you and through you to the president-elect that we had our significant reservations about president-elect, meaning Trump, about significant reservations about the idea of adopting now, after the UN Security Council resolution, before January 20 and Trump's made, made president, the principles 
uh, adopting now the principles for the Middle East that our American colleagues are pushing for. So we are not going to support it in the quartet or in the Security Council. This is Kislyak, Russian ambassador, and we have conveyed to our American colleagues, that is Obama's people, so in the spirit of full transparency, I was asked to inform you as well. So this is not something that we, Russia, are going to support. So this was a dynamic exposure of the, of the Obama administration's desire to hit Israel even harder in these last three weeks of their uh, administration before Trump came in. And why I bring this up is because what we're seeing now is that continuation of Obama's attempted even harsher measure against uh, the Israelis at the Security Council carried on by the minions of the Biden administration? Does anyone believe that Mr. Biden is directing these statements coming out of the State Department that directly attack Israel's legitimate use of Israeli law uh, against, these, against these squatters, basically? Tenants, illegal tenants now, because they haven't been paying their rent in East, or East Jerusalem. Uh, is anyone, this is, this is something that is coming from elsewhere. It is a direct continuation of Barack Obama's animus towards the state of Israel and his policy in Jerusalem, where he believes that no Jew should be living in East Jerusalem. And that no Jew, no Israeli, no Israeli government has the power to evict unlawful tenants, Arab tenants in East Jerusalem. Now, if this, if this happens, if the Supreme Court bows to the pressure, and they'll probably try and delay it as long as possible until it kind of, they hope it kind of, uh, you know, washes away and, and people have forgotten what's going on in Sheikh Jarrah. Uh, if the Israeli government actually... Oh, sorry, if the Supreme Court actually sides with the United States and others and, and the Palestinians, Palestinians in this, watch out. That is opening a can of worms that all Jewish-owned properties inside East Jerusalem now with Palestinian tenants, and there's a lot of them, they are going to be, they can just stop paying their rent. They can stop paying their rent and they say, international law is on our side. We're not paying you. You can't evict us. That could be happening uh, really, really shortly. So what were the contents of this extra, more forceful um, UN resolution that President Obama was attempting to push through that the Russians said, whoa, hold on a minute. That's a little crazy for us. We're not going to let that happen. What was this resolution about? Well, we don't know the exact contents of that resolution. We're not sure. Uh, a couple of months, uh, a year ago, a source told the Jerusalem Post that it would have forced parameters of peace of a peace agreement upon Israel and the Palestinians, which would include a time frame for creating a Palestinian state based on the 1967 alliance. It would have been something like, okay, our international position is that the state of Palestine is going to be in East Jerusalem. Sorry, Israel. That is, that is our position. And you have a certain time frame to make it so, to get out, to stop administering your law there. I don't care who owns these properties. I don't care who's sovereign. 
we be- or you're not sovereign. We believe these property, this this territory, is to the sovereign Palestinian people as they would see it. Now this was this was crazy to to put a time frame on this. And what happens if Israel doesn't accept that time frame according to his potential UN resolution? What is Israel to do then? What would happen? Well. There might be a more forceful response from the UN Security Council, the governing body of international law as it's seen today, having the weight of international consensus as it's seen today, would have told Israel you can't live there and you've got till however long to get out. Now, what are we seeing right now? We are seeing a movement uh, towards something forceful like that by the American administration. Now, I just want to go through a couple of news stories to, to just cut you up to date at what's happening about these properties in Sheikh Jarrah. This is by Khaled Abu Taome. Apologies for if I've incorrectly pronounced your name. I appreciate your decades of service to accurately writing about Palestinian affairs for the Jerusalem Post and other, and other um, uh, media outlets. He, this is an article dated from yesterday, 5 p.m. PA requests, Palestinian Authority requests Security Council Arab League meetings on Jerusalem violence. So it looks like what's happening right now is going to go to the Security Council. And that's where Obama and the Biden administration would love it, right? That's what they were trying to do last time. And so this is going to be brought up again, it seems. Uh, The Palestinian Authority said over the weekend that it was seeking emergency meetings of the UN Security Council and Arab League members to discuss the latest upsurge in violence in Jerusalem, but it's not just about the violence in Jerusalem. What else? Uh, Further down, uh, he said this, commenting on Friday's clashes between the police and thousands of rioters in the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound and the East Jerusalem neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah. Again, they are linked. The Palestinians have succeeded in linking these two. They have made what is happening in Sheikh Jarrah the legitimate removal of unpaying tenants from houses that just happen to be owned by Jewish people they have equated that with attempts with saying that Israel is trying to Judaize East Jerusalem at the expense of the Arabs, and they have morphed it into a religious war, along with, as they would see it, Israel's refusal to admit, or at least to slow down, Arab worshippers for Ramadan on an Al-Aqsa. Last night, there was 90,000, 90,000 people, Arabs, that were allowed to come to Jerusalem to worship at Al-Aqsa, 90,000. Doesn't look like Israel's trying to slow it down much. That was as many was up at Mount Moron a couple of weeks ago for the largest Israeli gathering. And everyone's talking about COVID and, you know, the tragedy would happen there. Well, we had 90,000 people here in Jerusalem last night, Arabs, that were allowed to worship. So this whole idea that Israel is trying to prevent worship at Al-Aqsa is completely false. Nevertheless, notice how that these two are linked. In a televised speech, Abbas called on the international community to assume its full responsibilities uh, to halt this aggression on our people and holy sites. And then he also repeated his call for providing international protection for the Palestinians. Quote, the terrorism of the settlers will only increase our determination to stick to our legitimate rights to end the occupation, attain freedom and independence and establish a sovereign and independent Palestinian state with Jerusalem as its capital. End quote. Abbas said he had has instructed the Palestinian envoy to the UN to request an urgent meeting of the Security Council. Wouldn't Obama uh, find it lucky that they're doing that? Of course.
He expects it. Definitely based on what the United States is saying. Another article from later last night, again by Khaled Abu Tomer. He writes, Sensing victory, Jerusalem Shabab or the youth turned Sheikh Jarrah into a major crisis. Watch this. This is very important. The Palestinians have also succeeded in making the Sheikh Jarrah dispute, that is the dispute over these four houses, appear as being part of an overall Israeli scheme to drive Arabs out of Jerusalem and Judaize the city. The article now, the Palestinians have succeeded in turning the dispute over the ownership of a number of houses in the East Jerusalem neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah into a major crisis that has now caught the attention of the United Nations, the European Union, the U.S. administration, as well as several other countries and local and foreign media organizations. So again, when you see this story in the New York Times, when you see it reported in The Guardian, when you see it you know, at the Security Council, remember what it's about. It's about four houses that Jews own that Arab tenants... Uh, tenants sh- wrote and signed a document to say that the Jews owned it and they refused to pay their rent and started illegally building. And so the Jews wanted to evict them from this property. That's what it's about. And in what, con- in what other country, in what other city would all these international bodies and foreign media outlets be up in arms about this? None. None. This is the double standard that Israel pl- that the world places on Israel that they refuse to place on any other nation. Then he, he writes this, To maintain the momentum, the Palestinians decided to focus on Al-Aqsa compound on the mountain, uh, the Temple Mount. Well, I don't necessarily have to talk about that. Uh, he, he writes this later on, The Palestinians have succeeded again in making the Sheikh Jarrah dispute appear as if it's part of the overall Israeli scheme to drive Arabs from Jerusalem and Judaize the city. The Jewish organizations claiming ownership of the houses may have won the legal battle, but it's now hard to see how the Israeli authorities will be able to implement any court order given the outcry by many international parties and condemnation by several countries, including the Arabs. So even if the Supreme Court says, yeah, they need to be evicted based on the law, is Israel going to do it? Or is it going to bow to international pressure to not remove these families? But if it doesn't, what are they accepting? They are accepting that Israel has no right to uphold the law in East Jerusalem, that it's Arab territory and you can't do anything about it. So much for the undivided capital of the Jewish people of sovereign, united Jerusalem under one government. There's two laws for two peoples at that point. And that's exactly the situation that's being created. And that is what the United States wants. Notice this uh, State Department uh, memo by Ned Price. He's the spokesperson. He writes this on May 7th, Violence in Jerusalem. We are also deeply concerned about the potential eviction of Palestinian families in Sheikh Jarrah and Silwan neighborhoods of Jerusalem, many of whom have lived in their homes for generations. As we have consistently said, it's critical to avoid steps that exacerbate tensions or take away, take us further away from peace. This includes evictions in East Jerusalem, settlement activity, home demolitions, and acts of terrorism. Last sentence, we also urge the authorities to approach the residents of Sheikh Jarrah with compassion and respect and consider the totality of these complex historical cases and how they impact real lives today. 
So whose side is America on? America is obviously on the side of the Palestinians. They do not want Israeli law to be upheld here. And they, as they would say here, please consider have, with compassion and respect. Consider the totality of these complex issues. We don't like the fact that you're evicting these people, the Arabs from East Jerusalem, because it's theirs. That is what it's writing here. And notice also the linking of Sheikh Jarrah and Silwan. Now, Silwan is where our, where our archaeological excavations have taken place. What is, where is, where is this battle going? This is not just about four houses in Sheikh Jarrah. This is the starting point. It's about all these other properties, all these other properties that Jewish Israelis are buying up in East Jerusalem. Now, if you come to Jerusalem today and you've never been here, I challenge you to find out where East and West Jerusalem is. Find out where the line is. And I bet you you can't find it because the city is one. Of course, if you go heavy into East Jerusalem, you'll notice it's Arabic and there's mainly, mainly Arabs. And you go heavily into West Jerusalem, you'll notice it's mainly in Hebrew and they're mainly Jewish people or tourists. But you'll see Arabs in East, uh, West Jerusalem and Jews in East Jerusalem. And yet, here you have the Americans saying, we don't really like you evicting people that are living in homes, Arabs, sorry, that are living homes in East Jerusalem, particularly in the neighborhood of Silwan, which is just south of the old city, and in Sheikh Jarrah, which is just north of the old city. These really critical areas on the, on the old border between East and West Jerusalem, a border that doesn't exist right now. So the United States is weighing in here and they're tipping the scales heavily on the, uh, on the side of the Palestinians. And this now is a, uh, a very forceful response by the United States. You think these are just words. This is saying that Israel, you have no right to remove these people, even though, they're not paying, even though they should be removed on just civil grounds. It's not about anything ethnic here. Yes, there are. It's a Jewish property, and there's Arabs living in the houses. But if they just paid the rent, they stop building illegally there on those properties that they don't own. They might be able to stay there. They might be able to stay there. But that's not what happened. And so, while it's starting with Sheikh Jarrah, look for this to be a big issue. And look for the press, the international media, the left wingers from all over the world, the EU, the UN, the United States to come in hard now and politicize every single Jewish family that moves into East Jerusalem. Who says that Jews can't live in East Jerusalem? Who says that Jews can't live in a future Palestinian state? Why is it that we accept that if there are two states, Palestinians can live in, in Jerusalem, uh, in West Jerusalem, or live in this, this Israeli state, but apparently a Jew living in a Palestinian state is an obstacle for peace. Do they want to ethnically cleanse Jews from East Jerusalem? Well, it seems that way. It seems that's, that's the way because they believe that land's there and no Jew should be there. And if there is a Jewish family uh, living there, what do you think the United States position is about? Is, is, um, or what do you think their position is about that family? Now, this is a scary position to be in, and this is not going away. This is not going away at all, and we are seeing the fruits now 
of the third term of the Obama presidency. Now, we have talked, I think we gave three or four programs in a row about the Biden administration supporting Iran, why they're supporting Iran. And we're just ripping the face off this and telling you that they are supporting Iran because Iran's goal is the eradication of the Jewish state. That is what Barack Obama also believes should happen. The state of Israel is the embodiment of everything that, in many ways, that Barack Obama hates in America. The foundation on biblical principles, a predominantly white nation that sees, that is oppressing, according to him, a predominantly brown people. And, you know, he writes about some of this even in his Promised Land book. Obviously, he's going to coax it in nicer words than this, even as the State Department does. But that, why would you empower the Islamic Republic of Iran, give them access to a nuclear bomb over a certain amount of times, open up world markets to them, actually try as hard as you can to bring them in from the cold so that they can receive money to foment terror and... Um, and have the ability to unleash what they've promised they wanted to unleash on the state of Israel, and on Jerusalem specifically. Why would you do that? If you love the state of Israel, if you love the Jewish people, you wouldn't do it. It's obvious. So what's the motivation behind that? Now, what we're seeing right now is another side of this coin. The same, well, really, it's not the other side of the coin. It's, it's the same uh, policy, but not just involving Iran now to do to, to Obama's dirty work. It's actually supporting the Palestinian cause in East Jerusalem because Barack Obama wants East Jerusalem to be uh, conquered by the Arabs. He wants a Palestinian state there, and he's going to push his people to, just like he did, he was trying to push the next UN, uh, UN Security Council resolution. He's going to push his people to try and bring it about, to fully support, uh, fully support the Arabs here and give them moral support, and give them international legitimacy. Watch this go to the UN. Watch the Security Council, the United States now, of the Biden administration push hard against Israel. Now, what I want to also focus on at this point, one is to show you that, you know, these are both policies of Obama against the state of Israel, but also what President Trump did. What President Trump did and this is not a political program at all. It's a simple, if we can just look at the facts and take, take aside the policies for a second, you had one president that was doing his best to, uh, if you don't want to say destroy, at least you can say doing his best to push anti-Israel resolutions and anti-Israel maneuvers in the region to try and lift up Israel's enemies. That's fact. You have one, and then you have the next president that says, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to support our allies. We're going to support our brothers and the Jewish people. And in a way that is, has, been, is never seen, has never, never been seen before of any American president. You, and now we're seeing it, seeing it flip again. We're seeing it flip again back to what it was with Obama. And I mention that because uh, I watched Jerusalem Editor-in-Chief, Mr. Gerald Flurry, has long prophesied that... Uh, uh, the President Trump fulfills a role in biblical prophecy. And he bases this 
off uh, a passage in, in 2 Kings chapter chapter 14. It talks about this Jeroboam II, an ancient king of the northern tribes of Israel. We've had a program on the him, and I'll leave a link uh, to, the, to that program uh, in the show notes today uh, to prove that to you. But what is interesting about this king is that God raised him up not because of any righteousness of his own. In fact, he was a heavily flawed individual. He followed after the ways of Jeroboam I, steeped in paganism and and everything else. Yet God saw the affliction of Israel and knew that the nation itself was going down, that there were incurable sicknesses internally, and that foreign nations were coming. Foreign nations were going to come and take over Israel. If God didn't intervene, but it says there that God intervened and saved them by the hand of a wicked king because of God's mercy. And that Jeroboam II is an ancient king, obviously, and he's typed, or at least the modern, modern president, uh, uh, President Trump is typed by that ancient king. Can we see now that the United States was on a descent and it's continuing right now into destruction. I mean, I've, you, you're, you can see what's going on. Any nation that wants to deny their history, the good parts of their history, and wash it away, the good parts of their history, and is not willing to stand up and defend it. That, that's a nation that, that has a very limited lifespan. And that is happening in the United States even now. And President Trump sought to save America. It's interesting. That's what his website now says, save America. And that's the exact language that exists in 2 in Kings chapter, uh, chapter 14 about this ancient Jeroboam. Now, there are there is a really interesting verse in this account of six or seven verses that talks about Jeroboam II that includes the biblical nation of Judah. Now, anciently, Judah was a southern kingdom of, of Judah. Uh, once Israel split between the northern tribes and the southern tribes, Israel was in the north and Judah was in the south. Judah had retained uh, the capital of Jerusalem, the capital that David set up when he was over all a combined Judah and Israel. And both Judah, or Judah, the southern kingdom, which is the Jews today, if you look at the people that went into captivity and back, we, we prove this uh, all the time. The people of Israel today that are here uh, are not all the tribes of Israel. They are the Jewish people. They're the Jewish people of the southern kingdom of Judah. And they involve, obviously, different tribes, a couple of them um, being Benjamin and Levi predominantly. But this verse in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 28, mentions Judah and Israel having a close relationship underneath Jeroboam II. Notice this. This is the New International Version. It puts it a little bit simpler. It says this, As for the other events of Jeroboam's reign, all he did in his military achievements, including how he recovered for Israel both Damascus and Hamat, which are in the area of Syria today, which had belonged to Judah, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? And Mr. Gerald Flurry explains this in the latest up on Watch Jerusalem right now. I'll leave a link to this. Um, but he's talking about how that you have this random, and we even focused on this in our program a little bit, how you've got Judah being included in this prophecy about Israel. And nobody really understands this verse that well, uh, I, would, I would say. At least the commentaries don't. But Mr. Flurry goes into details of what it means. And this is what he says related to the state of Israel or biblical Judah in this article. 
When Barack Obama was president, this again written a few days ago, when Barack Obama was president, he was very unmerciful to the Jewish nation of Israel. But in President Trump's first term, he saved the Jewish nation, biblical Judah, from much of Obama's tyranny. Is that true? Did he? Yes, he saved Israel, being the United States, uh, another one of the tribes of Israel. But he also saved the Jewish state from Obama's onslaught. We're seeing Obama's onslaught right now continue. Trump is gone from power right now. In President Trump's first term, he saved the Jewish nation, biblical Judah, from much of Obama's tyranny. He supported Israel in many ways, including helping it sign the Abraham Accords with Arab nations in the region. Respected columnist Lee Smith described the alliance between Israel and the Gulf states as, quote, an impediment to the dream of a re-empowered nuclear-armed Iran backed by the United States, which was Obama's main foreign policy aim and an affront to the peace processes convinced of their own never-ending importance. The Biden administration, this is quoting Lee Smith, the Biden administration apparently, uh, apparently aims to sink the accords by penalizing Israel and its peace partners for getting too close and returning the Palestinians to center stage in order to prepare the ground for re-entering the Iran deal. So Lee Smith obviously sees what's going on uh, as well. Note that Obama, Mr. Flurry writes, Obama's main foreign policy aim was to align America with Iran, Israel's enemy and the world number one sponsoring terrorist nation, terrorist sponsoring nation. Iran's main goal is to bring America down and to wipe Judah off the map. For America to support Iran makes no sense unless you realize that it's that this leader, Barack Obama, is trying to blot out the name of Israel. That's what that prophecy talks about uh, with Jeroboam. Well, the reason for Jeroboam's coming is because Israel's name was going to be blotted out by Barack Obama. Iranian leaders talk about this all the time. The nation wants to blot out the name of Israel. That includes America and Britain, he writes. Yet Americans allowed their president to enact that foreign policy. And now that foreign policy is back. Biden is empowering Iran so it may soon obtain nuclear weapons. I'm, I am certain... I am certain we will have more Palestinian terrorist attacks now because of who is in charge. Are we seeing that? There was an attempted one just on Friday when three gunmen that were trying to get into Israel to perpetrate an attack here in Jerusalem were stopped when a random check by Border Patrol. What would have happened? Are we going to see an increase in terrorism now that Barack Obama is back? Well, he supports the Palestinian cause God is wrathful about this. If this continues, it will be end very badly. You see how important it is that somebody needs to recover something. It appears Mr. Trump, he writes later, will have to recover some of Judah or Israel's freedom for us to even deliver God's message. And so Mr. Flurry's whole purpose in this article is to show that the Bible prophesies that President Trump was, is going to come back and that he is going to recover, recover his presidency and that will be a boon for Israel, especially as you see what's going on right now. But what about the short term? What are we going to see when Barack Obama's minions and him himself behind the scenes, of course, are pushing Israel into a corner, are supporting a Palestinian takeover of East Jerusalem? That's what's happening right now. Barack Obama in the United States is supporting a Palestinian takeover of East Jerusalem. And as Israel tries to just enact a simple law of, of evicting unpaying tenants, 
out of a house in East Jerusalem, the United States says, no, you can't. That's their property. That's not your property. Now, if they're willing to say that, and if they're willing to have very similar talking points to Hamas in this situation, it wouldn't be surprising to see another UN Security Council resolution against the state of Israel that declares uh, something even more forceful than what the previous one did. And it is something that we have to watch for. And But we are watching biblical prophecy as well. It's hard to know whether this is the prophecy of half Jerusalem falling is going to happen in the short term. It's very hard to see that happening underneath a president, a returned President Trump, uh, just because he has been pro so so supportive for Israel. Perhaps uh, by the time he comes back into power, um, the Palestinians have gained so much underneath uh, President Biden, Barack Obama, that they are willing to fight or have a better fight, a better platform to fight for the rest of East Jerusalem. But watch this prophecy take center stage. It is going to take center stage. It has to take center stage. The Palestinians are not going to be appeased by Israeli law, uh, is the Israeli government not evicting people that should not be living in these houses, Arabs or Jews. If, that, if the Israeli government weakens now to the Obama administration, Obama's third term with, with, with President Biden, where's the end? Where's the end here? It would be a set a very dangerous precedent. Appeasement only ever motivates uh, the Arab street for, to want more. That's always the case. And you know, Netanyahu understands this, the prime minister of Israel, but he might be gone very soon. And maybe others will deem it necessary to appease Barack Obama, appease America, and allowing just these few Arabs, okay, just, just let us quiet down. You can stay there. You can stay there. We, we won't enforce the Israeli law in this case. You can stay there rent-free. Do, do what you like in East Jerusalem. If that happens, you are going to see thousands more claims just like this pop out, uh, pop up. And as it does, Israel is going to lose their sovereignty, their de facto leadership, if you want to put it that way, their control over East Jerusalem. This prophecy is coming to the forefront, and we're going to make sure that you are aware of, of any changes that take place, and we are going to make sure you know what is driving this animosity of the United States right now towards the state of Israel and the fact that Israel is in the need is in is in need of, of saving. That's all we're going to have time for today. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to just read up more details about this, again, we have this article, Watch Jerusalem Now. It's up on the Watch Jerusalem website to fill you in on a bit of the backstory and also some of these quotes from the United States in support of the Palestinians. If you'd like to send some feedback to our program, you can write your emails to letters at watchjerusalem.co.il. We love to hear from you. If you have any feedback or ideas for future programming, uh, we would love to hear from you again. Next week, we're going to be doing a program, uh, depending on the, the situation here in, in Jerusalem and Israel, we're going to be interviewing uh, Dr. Kingsley, who believes he has found uh, Solomonic mines uh, off in, inside uh, modern-day Spain. And so that's going to be really uh, interesting. You'll want to tune in for that program. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.